Now, I declare one day we are going to have all of these things done um, in-house by skits and plays and all of these kind of things. I'm believing God for a fine arts department here at the training center that we'll have wonderful skits and plays and productions um, here at our church. Amen. Can you agree with me on that? Amen. All right. Galatians chapter four and verse number four says, but when the fullness, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father or Daddy God. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God. Notice the term through Christ. Through Christ. When you're born again, you will have now been born or translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, for the sake of review, there are three principles that we've seen that Christmas teaches us. The story of Christmas teaches us three principles. I basically alluded to one just a second ago. The first one is that Christmas teaches us that God is faithful to his promises. Romans chapter 8. Now watch this. Verse 32 says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32 says, He that did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He says, he who didn't spare his own son. He didn't spare his own son, part of who he is. But he delivered him up to the world. He delivered him up on the cross for all of us. He says, how shall he not also also freely, along with him, freely give us all things? In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So he says, watch this. If he was willing to give his own son to die on the cross for our sins, that thing that's in your heart, that issue that you have, how will he much more also freely give you all those other things that you need for life? Those areas that we're believing God for, those areas of need that we have perhaps in our life. He gave his own son to down the cross for our sins. That was a big thing, that issue that we may have that's taking place in our life. God's way of looking at it, that's a small thing. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? And he says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But he says it comes about or how you receive the things that you need in life is through a knowledge of him who's called you or called us by glory and virtue. Verse 4 says, whereby are given unto us great and exceedingly precious promises. So the promises of God that he's faithful to keep his promises are obtained through the process of faith. The second thing uh, Christmas teaches us is how to bring or fulfill God's assignment in your lifetime. How to fulfill God's assignment within your lifetime. How to conceive it. How to believe it. How to protect it. How to deliver it. And how to make it a reality in your environment. And Christ, therefore, is 
our example. He's heaven's example of conceiving and delivering God's design and purpose to the earth. Now let's look back again. We're going to pick up where we left off on Thursday night at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 and verse 28. Luke chapter 1 and verse 30, I mean 28. And the scripture says, And the angel came in unto her and said, speaking of Mary, of course, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. You know, it's possible in your life to have the favor of God in operation. You don't really fully realize it. The angel announces to Mary that the favor of God's on your life, girl. He says, verse number 29, and when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutations this should be. So she sees the angels, angel and she's afraid because she's like, what, 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 what kind of message am I going to receive? Verse 30, and the angel said, to, said unto her, fear not. Mary, for thou hast, he repeats again, found favor with God. Verse 31, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, a son and he shall be called, and, she, uh, and thou and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and he shall be called son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David. Verse 33, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Verse 34 is what we were talking on Thursday. It says, then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. The scripture clearly says that she is a virgin. We understand previously that same Gabriel went and talked with a man named Zechariah and said that you're going to have a son. And he said, how can this be seeming as we are old? And so we've talked about the difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is I simply don't know. I'm not sure. I'm learning. I'm learning how things work. Unbelief, on the other hand, is a belief system that is contradictory to what God said. Zachariah said, look, God, don't you understand that we have a natural circumstance that's going to prevent us from giving birth to a son? Mary says, on the other hand, how is this going to be? I know God has the ability, but the question is, what's the procedure by which I need to receive this son that you said that I'm going to have? I submit to you this, anything that God calls you to, you are always going to be a virgin at it. Nobody starts out in any assignment that God gives you with full knowledge because you have never walked this way before. Now, I find it interesting when you listen again to older ministers and older people that are in business, when they're telling of the stories, when they're looking back, they tell it with great confidence because they're looking back. They talk about, I remember back when this happened and then this opened. And if you listen to them carefully, what begins to happen is you begin to separate their confidence that they have looking back versus the way they they were when they were looking forward. What do you mean by that? Well, when you're operating in business, let's use that as an example, and your company is successful, your organization is successful, and you start looking back at how far God has brought you, then when you're speaking and giving the testimony, you give a testimony knowing the end of the story. 
But when someone is actually looking forward, they've never done it before, therefore they are a virgin. All you hear is faith, and sometimes that faith comes out a little bit different because of the fact you ain't done it before. Everything, anything that God calls you to, you're always going to be a virgin at it. And so then Mary becomes the template of how you are supposed to respond when God is telling you something. She says, watch this. Then Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. You might be saying, God, how are we supposed to do this? Seeing that my account looks like this. God, how are we supposed to do this? Given my natural limitations. I don't question your ability, but I do want to know what is the procedure. Verse 35, he says, and the angel answered, because when you ask a question about procedure, it's already intrinsically in the nature of the question. I believe God can. I believe God's ability. I might not know exactly what the procedure is yet, God. That's the question, but I know you can. And the angel responds with procedure. He says, and the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest side note. This is another name for the Holy Spirit. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And therefore, also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Son of God, meaning he is God's, has God's nature on the inside of him. He is Christ, the Christos, the smeared on one, the Messiah. Verse 36, it says, and behold, thy cousin Elizabeth. So he gives her more insight as to what's going on because she's still in the position of faith and not in a position like Zachariah was in unbelief, questioning God based on natural circumstances. He says, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, verse 37 says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. So Gabriel now turns and he begins to preach to Mary. He says, understand this, let me give you a testimony about an impossible situation and a circumstance and let me tell and declare to you that with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. God doesn't have limitations on him. And the question that we always have to ask is, do I have the proper perspective for my life in regards to my future when I see God bigger than my circumstances? Do I see God bigger than the issue that I face? That's why he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together, which means make God bigger. Make the name of the Lord greater in your life, bigger than whatever obstacle that you're faced with for with God nothing shall be impossible verse 38 it says and Mary said unto Mary said behold the handmaid of the Lord be it unto me according to thy word she says behold the handmaid of the Lord everything that you said God behold I am the handmaid of of the Lord. He said, be, she says, be it unto me. Be it unto me according to thy word. Well, what does the word handmaid mean? She says, behold, Lord, everything that you've said, I'm going to have a son. 
The fact that you've indicated my cousin Elizabeth has a child. I can't see. I can't call up and verify. She says, I don't need all of that. Now, notice Zachariah. He said, give me another sign. Show me something. Give me, give me something else. She said, no, I don't need all that. Be it unto me according to thy word. The word handmaid literally means, behold, Lord, I am the servant. Behold, Lord, I am your attendant. Behold, Lord, the word handmaid means one who gives herself or himself wholly to another's will. I submit to you, it means, God, I surrender my life to you. It means essentially, God, I believe. I believe what you said. He said, she says, be it unto me according to thy word. God, I surrender. Whatever I had going on in my life up to this point, I surrender it to your will and your purpose. So many of us in our own lives, you know, we got our own agendas. We're doing our own things and we've not fully surrendered our life to God. And God works with us and works with us and works with us and works with us to the point that we are fully all in and surrender into his purpose and his will. Well, the issue that we don't oftentimes see is that to the degree that I am surrendered to God in my life, it's the degree in which God has lordship in my life, i.e. responsibility. That area in your life that has not been surrendered to God is the area in your life where you are responsible for yourself and you're on your own. God says, I want whole submission from you. I want you to give your life totally to my will so that you can receive all that I have for you so that I can be responsible for taking care of your needs. I can be responsible for taking care of your health. I can be responsible because when you fully submit to God, now you fully submit to receive the package from heaven. Now notice this. Faith that Mary operates in impacts in three different categories. It impacts her first in her intimate life or intimately in her destiny. Whatever she was doing previously in her life now has come in contact with the divine mission, the divine call. So it is a divine interruption of her life to receive what God has for her. Her faith, therefore, impacts those that are around her or those that are connected to her. Eventually, she will go and take a journey, we'll see in just a sec, to Elizabeth's house. Her faith is connected to that. Faith prompts her to move. Her faith is connected to her proposed husband, her, her, her fiancé, if you will, by our today's standard. Everything in their life begins to change course towards the divine purposes of God because of this. Be it unto me according to thy word. Faith, therefore, also impacts in Mary's life people that's beyond her knowledge. Somewhere out in the east, there is a development of a star that shows up. And these wise men begin to format a path by which they're going to take a journey to come see this young Messiah. Mary has no knowledge of this. She has no knowledge of the provisions that's going to be in their donkeys or on their, on their journey that's going to eventually show up. I submit to you that as you say yes to God, at the same moment you say yes to God, somewhere beyond what you can see, there is provision that God is preparing for that assignment that's on your life. That thing that you're believing God for, you can't see anything, nothing's in manifestation, but somewhere out there, God said, there's somebody that's preparing with everything that you need to accomplish his will. 
Now, <clears throat> what does it mean when you say, Lord, I believe? What does it mean when you say, Lord, I believe? This is what Mary said, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. God, I submit my life to your plan. God, therefore, I believe what you said. And so oftentimes we say this, but we don't really think about what it means. Three words that are powerful in the kingdom of God. Lord, I believe. I don't know where we're going, but God, I believe that you do and I trust you. God, I don't know how this is going to work, but be it unto me according to thy word. What does it mean when we say, Lord, I believe? Mary and Joseph, the story of Christmas shows us this. We talked about what it means to conceive the word. Be it unto me. I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to the word. She conceives the son of God on the inside of her womb. And then she does certain things that correspond with her declared faith. Because faith without works is dead. Well, when you say, Lord, I believe, there are certain things that we need to understand. And I'm going to use an acronym for this in explaining what it means. When you say, Lord, I believe, when you say, Lord, be it unto me according to thy word, the first thing we got to understand is that it requires a behavioral change physically and emotionally. A behavioral change both physically and emotionally. Mary says in verse number 39, and Mary arose, I'm sorry, the Bible says, and Mary arose in those days and went unto the hill country, watch the word with haste, into the city of Judea. So the Bible says in verse number 38 that as he said, bid unto me according to thy word, the angel Gabriel goes away. He goes and returns into the presence of God because mission accomplished. This woman is now in faith. We can tell that she's in faith because she responds or corresponds with what, a, what, what the angel Gabriel said. He said that, look, your, your, your cousin Elizabeth, who was barren, is now pregnant. So the Bible says she arose and went with haste to witness this miracle. The, we understand that by today's standards, uh, the trip she took is from Nazareth where she lived to Judea which is about 68 miles now by today's standards in a car if you are in Jerusalem one of the things or in Israel rather it's about 2 hours and 41 minutes so just shy of 3 hours but she rises and she goes with haste so it, to go with haste in those days is either by donkey or by walking but she doesn't hesitate regarding where she's going when she's in faith. It's a behavioral change that she has. Eventually, she goes from Nazareth to Judea. She goes from Judea back to Nazareth, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, from Bethlehem to Egypt. Her life trajectory changes because of her. Yes, God, I'll do what you called me to do. God's call always requires you to change. And he didn't always show you what's going on. Notice what's absent from everything that Gabriel said. He didn't say, for the next couple years, you're not going to be at home. You're going to be living abroad. You're going to be living in Egypt. You're going to be living in Bethlehem. You're going to go to... He didn't say any of these things because when you say, Lord, I believe, that means, God, I'm willing to go where you direct me to go. 
And that means I, I might not know that this is a part of it, but I believe that if God sends me, he'll take care of me there. Mary's normal change at the point of her yes. The emotional change or in her behavior had to change as well because she had to go from knowing what was going to happen next. She was patrolled to Joseph. That was a guarantee. They were probably going to raise some kids and, 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 and Joseph, we understand, was a carpenter. So they were going to have a business. They were going to do these things. This is what was planned for her life. But God shows up with a divine, I keep saying that this morning, I, I, I hear my sister back there, a divine interruption. <laughs> A divine interruption that says, no, this was what you had planned. But when you say yes, this is the new course. And what begins to happen is she has to move from self-reliance. I know what I'm going to do. I know we're going to get married. I know we're going to have a business. To now I move to a place where I've got to depend on God. I'm out here now because I said, yes, be it unto me according to thy word. It means it's going to require from my life a behavioral change, which means also it's going to require an emotional change. Well, yeah, I'm used to taking care of myself, but now I got to depend on God. So many times in our life, what God does, he puts you in a position little by little by little where he moves you where you, you ain't got nowhere else to look except him. And it feels uncomfortable in the beginning. It feels like, oh, Jesus, what's going on? But this is where God has you because he wants you completely dependent on his provision for your life and not your own. His will for your life and not your own. This, you'll know that you're fully invested in the kingdom of God when you really don't have a plan B. All I got is you, Jesus. And if you leave me, I'm going to be left out here by myself. It's all about moving you from self-reliance to dependency. Psalms 40 and verse number four says this, blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. Blessed is the man. Now, sometimes you might not feel blessed because I ain't got nowhere else to look. I look at my account and it says something. I look at this situation, it says something. The Bible says, blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. Look at the Passion Translation says, blessing after blessing comes to those who love and trust the Lord. They will not fall away, for they refuse to listen to the lies of the proud. They refuse to operate in an area of self-reliance. They know in whom they believe. Blessed is the one who has confidence in the word of God. Blessed is the one that has a life that is fully surrendered to God. The letter E, let's look at that. When we look at the word, Lord, what does it mean? What does it mean to say, Lord, I believe? We see the letter E shows up next and it stands for in our teaching the word endurance. The scripture says she got up and she had to go. She went with haste to Elizabeth's house. To go with haste to Elizabeth's house 68 miles away, it required a level of endurance. For what God had for her, she had to have a level of endurance. Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36, it says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. 
which has great recompense of reward. Now, why would you say cast not away your confidence? The Amplified list says, do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it, ha it has a glorious and great reward. It must be that in the process of me doing things and doing what God's called me to do, there must be some trials and some issues that show up that is going to require something from me. My faith, therefore, has, dare I say, it must be tested for its authenticity. And so, therefore, he's saying, essentially, don't cast away the confidence that you started with. He says, watch this, verse 36 in the uh, King James. For ye have need of patience. Ye have need of patience. The, the, uh, the Amplified literally says, patient endurance to bear up under the difficult circumstances without compromising. So he says, don't cast away your confidence on the journey because you're going to have need of endurance to, to bear up under the difficulties without you giving up, caving in, or compromising your standards and your values to accomplish a righteous goal. He says, essentially, watch this. After ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. So I can dare say, if I cast away my confidence, I leave my endurance behind, then I won't receive the promised thing that God has for me. My wife said it just a second ago, and I've been saying this for the last couple of days. For me, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. A lot of people start on the journey of faith strong. They running and oh God, yes we will. I hear you God. But they don't finish their race. There are a lot of people, they don't, they start good. It's not how you start. I thank God for people starting with great enthusiasm. But for me, the older I get, the more it's not just about how you start. We want you to start great. But something about people that endure and they finish well. That when you're at a funeral of somebody that left it all on the field, everybody might be crying and they miss them, but they know. Now, everything that was in their heart came into manifestation because they finished the race. They did what God assigned them to do. It's not just about how you start. You can see Paul saying, I've run a good battle. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. In other words, what he's saying is, I finished well. God is looking for people that he can trust to run the entirety of the race of life to fulfill what he has divinely called them to do. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9, of course, says, And let us not get weary in doing well. Well, Paul, why do you write that? Because it must be possible that in the process of doing good stuff, it, is come, it gets weary. I, I can get tired. It's particularly when I'm believing God in a particular area and I don't see anything changing yet. He says, let us not get weary. Sounds very similar to cast not away your confidence. He says, in due season you will reap, but the caveat for your reaping the harvest or the promises of God if you faint not. So I declare to you, the first thing that Mary shows us from the Christmas story is when you say, Lord, I believe it's going to impact your behavior. It's going to impact your emotions. It's going to impact what you're used to doing. The second area is going to require when you say, Lord, I believe what you said is I am signing up for endurance and patience. And the last thing we're going to talk about this morning, we'll pick the rest of this up on Thursday, is it's going to require a shift in your lifestyle. 
a shift in your lifestyle. When you say, Lord, I believe, it requires a shift in your lifestyle. Mary and Joseph's life was completely changed because of the one yes, God, be it unto me according to thy word. Mary's yes to God moves her from her house to Elizabeth's house immediately. It moves us to become moves her to become a potential criminal. Because now listen, when we get here on Thursday night. She goes to Elizabeth's house. She returns from Elizabeth's house six months. Um, she, uh, Elizabeth is pregnant. She watches, I think, until the ninth month. So she watches Elizabeth give birth to this particular miracle. So she comes back after that time. And then at this point in time, Mary is starting to show that she's pregnant herself. Now, she's been out of town at Elizabeth's house. And then she comes to Joseph and she said, the Lord has done this to me. Now, wait a minute. Now, Joseph is staring at her. You just went out of town for a couple of months. You come back, you're pregnant. And you're going to call or use the God card? God has done this to you? Mary's yes to God places her in a potential place where she can be killed because of this yes. Because in that time, they didn't just say, oh, she had a baby out of wedlock. No, no, no. They took her out and they stoned her. So she's placed in a particular issue in her life with her yes to God, placed her in a particular issue whereby she could potentially, it could cause her her life. Sounds like she is completely leaning on God because the only person that can take care of her, the only one that can take care of her is God out of the situation that seems like it's not going to meet with success. It moves her from the south, it moves her from Bethlehem to Egypt eventually. Now watch this over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse number seven out of the Amplified, the classic Amplified. We understand the King James says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Now watch this. It says, for we walk by faith. Watch this. We regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. I.e. it says, we trust the holy flavor. Thus, we walk not by sight or appearances. When you say, yes, God, I believe, that means I have got to move my entire lifestyle to a place where I trust God to take care of me. I got to move my entire lifestyle, which means it's not a one-time event. The moment that Mary says, be it unto me according to thy word, it wasn't just, that's it, and I'm done. No, it was situation, circumstance, situation, circumstance, uh, over and over and over again, where she sees the hand of God moving in her life because her entire lifestyle has changed from whatever she was doing originally to say, yes, God, whatever you call me to do, I believe that you can take care of me in that area of my life. Last scripture really quick. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, out of the passion for the sake of time. It says here, then Jesus said to his disciples, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely watch the word reject and disown your own life. This is the issue that a lot of people have. You say you want to be a disciple, but you still want control of your life. You say you want to follow God, but nah, nah, oh, not in every area of my life. This is in these specified areas where I need your help, God. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you must re reject and disown your own life. And he goes on and he says, you must, watch the word, be willing to share my cross 
which means to share my sacrifices. And he says, and experience it as your own, which means we need a level of connectivity in the sacrifice along with the blessings as you continually surrender to my ways. Again, I say to you and I say to you, my, my assignment this morning is to say this in the beginning of this section of Lord, I believe. When you say, Lord, I believe what you are essentially should be saying is, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender that anxiety that, that's called that place that's causing me anxiety. I surrender that thing to you. I surrender this area to you. God, when I say I believe, I surrender it into your hands again because your hands, oh God, are bigger than mine. Your vision, oh God, sees further than what I know. You see provision where I can't see it. You see the circumstances changing and me becoming victorious where I can't see it. I surrender my very life. That's what it really means to say, Lord, I believe. Let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, we bless you and we praise you for this opportunity. Dear God, to commit afresh to say, Lord, we surrender our lives to you. We'll change in the area of our behavior. We'll change, dear God, in the area of our complaining. And Lord, we'll just endure hardship as good soldiers, knowing that victory is on the other side. Lord, our lives are submitted to you. So we'll daily submit to your commands, daily submit to your orders, daily submit to what you've assigned us to do. We give you praise, Lord, that our lives are surrendered to yours. And because of that, Lord, we can look to you as our Lord and our God. And we decide as an act of our will, God, we'll magnify you over circumstances. We'll magnify you over situations. We'll magnify you over any obstacle that wants to come and say to us that they're greater than you. We thank you, Lord, that the great one lives on the inside of us. And so, Lord, we choose to stay at peace and we choose to stay at rest, not in our ability, but God in yours. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.